and welcome to Experience Share. It's a Pokemon podcast starring me, Tengar. Gengar. Gengar? Yep. Alex got it. Okay. AKA Tanner Greenring. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Hitmon Tosh. Him on top. AKA Joshua Fjellstead. And joined for the first- I'm not going to make a gay joke here, even though it's very obvious. Time. Hitmonverse. By- Friend of the podcast, former co-host of Josh Fielstads on his podcast, Gotta Snatch Them All, Alex Bug. Oh, sorry. Alexecutor. Such a good one. Executor. Executor. Yeah. I honestly thought it was going to be Steelix. Yeah. Stalix? Steelix? Too hard. Mm. I was like, a- Alex? Nope. That's just his name. Well, they've got to be in the most recent leg. And I don't think we saw Steelix. Did we? No, we didn't. We didn't see Steelix. These are all Gengar, Hitmontop, and Executor were all Pokemon featured in the um, Elite Four. Yeah, Bruno doesn't get Steelix, I don't think, until after when you're in Kanto. Oh, the rematch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to name Josh Louis Josh. Lugia? After Luigi. (laughs) Oh, because you you, uh, encountered Luigi this week yeah but i was worried that that would give you too much power it would go to your head you know yeah being named after a big legendary pokemon so i, I would have liked that yeah. i knocked you down a few pegs hit montage if josh is going to be louis josh then i just have to be homo for homo <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna assign that to you but alex welcome to the show alex bug welcome to the show uh josh was on your show gotta snatch them all uh, a few weeks ago he was it's also a pokemon podcast that our our listeners should all go check out do you want to introduce yourself tell us a little bit about your character tell us a little bit about your journey in johto your whole experience share the experience honestly boys like what an honor it is to be here first and foremost and i know that i will speak on behalf of so many of your listeners when i say that like this podcast has really gotten me through so much of this like dumpster fire that has been (laughs) the pandemic so to be here with you guys talking about this thing that i have loved for literally my entire life I'm so gassed and I'm so honored. So thank you so much. First and foremost. Yeah, of course. Do what we can. Thank you for coming on. Oh, honestly, it's an absolute pleasure. But you know, so Heart Gold, Soul Silver are my absolute like all-time favorite games. It's been really interesting as well to play a Nuzlocke run. I've never run a Nuzlocke run before. I'm normally when I play games, like when I play the Pokemon games. It sounds weird, but like I never normally play with the Pokemon I catch in the wild because I've been playing so long, like having Pokemon Home and Pokemon Bank. Like I've got this kind of library, really, this archive of all of these like various Pokemon that I've played with and that have been on my teams for like over a decade and stuff now. So like I love to do a lot of like trading. I love to do a lot of like breeding. I love to do a lot of... Oh, you do the uh, Pokemon Home stuff? Yeah, I love to do a lot of like transferring between games and stuff. And I mean, as well, like for me, that like the whole breeding mechanic, you know, taking a Pokemon that I played with in like 2012 and a Pokemon that I played with in my original run through of Pearl in like 2008 and then breeding them. And the egg that is then the offspring is pretty much the closest thing I'm going to get to a grandchild. So that's normally like how, you know, (laughs) so especially in like Sword and Shield and stuff, I love to play with Pokemon that almost like kind of like the offsprings of Pokemon that I've like had historically, but no. So the Nuzlocke run has been super fun. It's been really good at kind of like testing me to play in a different way. And also to be able to kind of like play alongside you guys and alongside the community of bug catchers has been awesome. But no, so my character, I sort of t- it took a lot of inspiration from, I guess, what you guys would call like 
wine moms which doesn't sound so slick in a british sure. accent oh, yeah. yeah we got those you got those they're endemic to the midwest yeah. <laughs> i feel like i you know i'm i'm a breath away from just being a wine mom myself yeah I, th- I think so they are just like the the goddesses amongst men but basically i used to work at this private school where a lot of the parents were like super affluent super privileged like the dads were all like cfos and ceos and the mums were just like these real kind of like jennifer coolidge lookalikes like none of them had to work they all had the same <laughs> kind of like super pillowy like filler faces never seen without a manicure and i just found them so fascinating and so i would find it really funny how these kids would be dropped off in the mornings by these mums who'd be like oh can you please make sure that Araminta drinks two full beakers of water today and applies SPF 50 twice today and I'm like yeah yeah sure whatever (laughs) and then they would pick up in the afternoon and they would just be absolutely shit-faced they would be completely shit-faced and it just became so obvious that they had just been out for this like six hour long brunch god that sounds great and you know I just think to myself that is the life what a life that is the life that God chose for me that's what I want that's the life that God chose for me so without further ado my character is Vino the gay wine dad excellent excellent He is me as a very irresponsible parent. If I never had to work again, he is a good time guy. Always brings the party. So Vino's got a husband. Yeah. Who's like, you know, sea level mm-hmm. or better. Yeah. Off at work all day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some business. Exhibit. Maybe he's, I don't know, like Mr. Stone, the head of the Devon Corporation. That was kind of what I was thinking. Sure. Oh, Stephen's yeah. like yeah. my bratty stepson. You know, I'll like rock up to the swim meet with one of those like airplane sized bottles of Pinot Grigio in my bag. <laughs> I think Stephen was Mr. Stone's lover, so I don't know if you guys are like. It's unclear. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, um, of course, how could I forget? <laughs> maybe it's a thruple. Maybe like I'm the. Maybe I'm like the third wheel. Who knows? But oh, basically, yeah. Vino has made the probably like intoxicated decision to go out on a Pokemon journey of his very own to sample the delights of every single grape variety of the Johto and Kanto regions. <laughs> So you're pulling up to the daycare every day, yeah. dropping off your Meowth and your Jigglypuff. With a bottle of Pinot Gris in my clutch. Just wasted. Yeah. Making sure they get everything they need and then coming back just shit can yeah. later on. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> Literally that. What a life. And so Hell the nickname yeah. convention has been really fun. So Vino nicknames all of his Pokemon after different varieties of of wine, which really like lend themselves quite well to nicknaming Pokemon. Notable shout out to some of my kill count. Pinot Grigio <laughs> the Forret, Chardonnay the Graveler, Sauvignon the Togetic, yeah. and for any of my British listeners, Lambrini the Red Gyarados. You've named all the wines I know. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Man, you lost a Gyarados. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. The notes... And sort of the profiles of these wines, are you matching them to the Pokemon like types and, and personalities, or is it just completely random? Chardonnay and Graveler, I'm particularly curious about that. So one. I started off with literally just like the wines that I knew. Yeah. And then as I kind of like ran out of the ones that I knew, I sort of really started to do a lot of research, very much in the same vein as Tony in his Fire Red Leaf Green run through where he named all of his Pokemon after different varieties of sausage. Oh yeah. So I took a lot of inspiration from that. But no, so kind of like by the end of it, one of which the Pokemon that I'm going to talk about is uh I caught on the leg of the journey that we're going to talk about today, which I won't give away just yet. But yeah, I sort of really started to like look at what the species of the Pokemon was and then kind of take some kind of thread from that and just research heavily if there was some kind of wine that was made from scorpion venom or something along those lines. (laughs) Yeah, great. 
Ugh. If it's a Dunsparce, oh, yeah. you and I cannot be friends. And I have something to say about Dunsparce, unfortunately. Oh, I do too. Yeah. You're coming into the season late. We took on the Elite Four this week. You've had a long journey so far. Any notable happenings you'd like to regale us with? And what's your overall kill count? Hit us with that as well. I lost count, but like I've had some real heavy hitters. I mean, like like I said, Lambrini the Red Gyarados, which I lost to one of those electrodes in the fucking rocket hideout. That's rough. Lambrini man. for anyone who's not British, Lambrini is like a carbonated, doesn't really like deserve the luster of being called sparkling. It's a wine that probably would be drunk by like a conservative, no not conservative, like confederate neo-Nazi in Alabama if like they just like wanted to feel fancy. Oh sure. Well that's a, that's <laughs> Tory as well. Exactly right? that. Exactly that, Josh. No. So yeah, lost Lambrini the Red Gyarados to one of the Electros in the Rocket Hideout. My starter, my starter, I lost Merlot the Quillava to fucking Whitney. Woof. And that Mill Tank. Oh my god. I know, yeah. Roll out being rock. It was super effective, yeah. Yeah. Drowned it in milk moo moo milk. <laughs> That's <laughs> so brutal. Ugh. I'm so sorry for your loss. Shed a tear. Rest in petals. Rest in petals. Rest in petals. Well, I think Josh and I have learned a lot from our last Nuzlocke run Yes, because our kill count is significantly lower than it was last time. It makes me regret spending a lot of time making a kill count graphic <laughs> for this season because we just a never beautiful need to one add too. to it. Much more involved. <laughs> yeah. I meant to check this before we recorded, but I think that, I think, I, I mean, I know for sure I lost two Pokemon in the Elite Four in our previous Nuzlocke run. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. that overall I was at like eight or maybe 10 deaths. I think lifting the level cap has helped. Oh my gosh, too. completely. Yeah, because the highest level in the entire Elite Four is like 50. Lance's level 50 yeah. Dragonite, I believe. Right. So we would have been capped there. Right, which would have been difficult. Yeah, I, I went into this thing with everyone at level 50. Yeah. My real kind of bugbear with these gold silver crystal and heart gold soul silver games is that they took away the versus seeker oh yeah you know and i just that was such a great way to grind up the levels so the, the, honestly the level curve in heart gold soul silver is just impenetrable if you are just relying on battling wild pokemon so it was a a labor of love to say the least that victory road is just a road of like graveler onyx corpses just yeah. Yeah. Rocks. <laughs> yeah. Piles of fucking rocks. But then, of course, like, just to let you in on our schedule, Bug Catchers, Josh moved, as you heard last week. Yeah. He gave me an extra week to train. So, of course, what I did was immediately go beat the Elite Four and then beat them another 20 times. Because you know the only way that you can win is that you just completely outlevel me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's okay. the premise of the show, Josh. You're okay. a seasoned Pokemon trainer, and I'm new to the series. I beat you with five earlier in the season. Just as a I reminder. I beat you with six earlier. The playground politics between you two, honestly, amount. I live for. It's a normal amount. <laughs> <laughs> I will just reveal now that my kill count remains at four, but I do want to kind of address something Minus that's four. been a bit of a uh, hot topic in the community, and Josh's is also staying strong at four. Received a lot of Reddit messages and tweets the week before last. Because I said that my Rotom died in Team Rocket headquarters to one of that Weasley little guy's self-destructs or explosions. One of the coughings? Yeah. Yeah. I was wrong about that, and I'm willing to admit that, and I'm... Humbled? I'm, am I the bigger man than all of you who called me out on it? Not for me to say, but he didn't die to an explosion. The truth is, I don't remember how he died. 
but he died in Team Rocket headquarters. And when I was looking through the walkthrough, I was like, oh, it must have been that. But you all told me that it's apparently impossible for a ghost-type Pokemon to die to an explosion yeah. or self-destruct. And I didn't catch this either. I didn't think about this. It's technically a normal move, so it does not affect ghost types. Yeah. Which is pretty wild, because you would think, you know, giant explosion, probably going to hit anybody. I usually capture it so I can write it on the rest and pedals graphic, but I didn't that week, and I had to guess, and what I guessed was that... What I will say, though, is that one rule that we made coming into this season is that ghost-type Pokemon cannot be resurrected as Zombiemon. I broke the rules doing that, and I fall on my knees before you, Joshua, and before you, Alex, and before you, all of the bug catchers out wow. there. Wow. And I ask, I beg for your forgiveness. I broke my own rule, and I've released Rotom. Wow. And I, I gave $10 to 1 million lights Philippines to... I don't know. I guess they're making lights <laughs> in the Philippines. You know, I'll give you a respete. We all make mistakes. I tip my bonnet to you, sir. <laughs> and is that, that's a hat. Tips fedora. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> respete. So yeah, I've, I've released Rotom and I've replaced him on the team uh, honestly, with another Pokemon. But I just wanted to clear that up because I got so many fucking Reddit messages about it. Very good. He was sort of sucked. I know, but like I was excited about getting to the Team Rocket headquarters in Kanto so I could like teach him how to be a oven or whatever, you know? Yeah. But also, Tanner, why did you release it? Just box it. Box it in like box 12 so you're not going to touch it. Don't release it. That's what I was saying, that he should have just boxed it for this whole leg rather than letting it potentially die. I'm sure the purists will like Gone. have my neck for it, but I'm just like, you've grown so attached to these Pokemon. Why no. release them just like into oblivion? What a waste. It's gone. Satan dragged him down to hell where he belongs for all of his crimes <laughs> in the afterlife. So goodbye, Rotom. Rest in petals. I already announced it last week. My kill count has not gone any higher than four because of that, but I did want to adhere to the rules. Because you know what, Josh? If you tried to break the rules... I would be on you so fast. Oh. You know? We all know that. So. That's why I can't get away with anything. I need to live up to my own standards for once. So we ended the last session. So long ago. At Blackthorn City. We took on Claire, the dragon-type dragon type brat. Pokemon trainer. What a bratty bitch, honestly. Yeah, she is a little bit of a brat. She's an asshole. Yeah. yeah. We went into the dragon's den and talked to the old master in there who quizzed us on how much we love Pokemon. I don't know. I won because then Claire comes up and she says, great, you know, you're fine. Here's your dang badge. Yeah. So now we're free to go. We get a call from... Professor Elm right out of the gym and he says, hey, come give me a visit down in uh, New Bark City, I think. Yeah. There's some commotion in Ecrotik City and the Kimono Girls are looking forward to meeting with you. I can't remember when it happened. I think it happened when I went to go visit Professor Elm, but someone, I think Dawn, Lyra? whoever the Dawn equivalent in this game is. Yeah. Yeah. Lyra with a little Meryl. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She started talking to me about the egg, 
Josh, do you remember our bet on the egg? Yeah, that I hatched because I thought it was a big part of the storyline that I would have to deal with. And you thought, maybe I'll just box it and it, yeah. it's irrelevant. It's been in my box ever since. Lyra, <laughs> I think, mentioned it to me and she was like, oh, remember that egg that Professor Elm gave you? I was like, not really. She acted as though I had hatched it and like had met Togepi. Really? And you didn't have to hatch it at all? Nope, not at all. It's still uh, what the fuck? completely unhatched. Glitch in the Matrix. That was a waste of time. I don't want that thing. I beat the game and uh, that Togepi egg is still in my box completely unhatched. So you're the real rube here, Josh. You fell for it. You I'm, got the, I'm the, the rube and I'll, hatch I'll that fall stupid my thing. sword here, I guess. You could have at least evolved it into a Togekiss. And the, um, what's the big flying one Togekiss, called? Is that one yeah. Togekiss? Tony Kiss. Yeah. Togetic is the middle Togetic one? Togetic flies as well. They all fly, other than Togepi. Yeah. And Alex, let me ask you something. Do you say, over in the UK, do you say Togetic, Togekiss, or do you say Togetic and Togekiss? I would say one of the things that I enjoy the most- Because people have harassed us about this one. Yeah, well. about this podcast is just like the mispronunciation <laughs> things and i'm like by no means a linguist but like the first one i have to say i'm pretty sure it's lopany not lopany because it's like a lop-eared rabbit lopany lopany yeah because it's like a lop-eared rabbit a lop-eared rabbit has floppy ears we're not doing that but anyway that aside i'd say togetic (laughs) togetic yeah i'd say togetic i'd put like the emphasis on the tick part togetic togetic i don't know i don't know what the portmanteau of like the etymology of the name is but i would always say togetic all right well i wouldn't say it at all because i would never use it well la punny you're out thank you for joining us uh thanks for having me guys tanner and i will continue on on our own yeah it was so great having (laughs) you on the show rate me five stars any other mispronunciation uh, so-called mispronunciations you want to call us on yeah you have a problem with the way i say tangela (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that one is definitely Tangela. Tangela. Of course it's Tangela. It's the name Angela with the T on the front. That one is like 1,000% The one that Tangela. always made me twitch a little bit was Growlithe. Yeah. Okay, fine. Because I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like Growlithe, right? But you guys cleared that one up. I corrected that one, and it's Growlithe, unfortunately. I sound like such a pompous asshole. I'm so sorry to any listener hearing me for the first time. No, you guys invented the dang language. If we're going to defer to anyone... <laughs> It's going to be you. We just borrowed it, you know? Have I admitted on the show yet that in high school I had uh, an unfortunate period where I used the Queen's English Hell yeah. uh, in all my papers? Oh, I love that. Tell me about it. Yeah, please. Give us more. You were p- putting U's in words? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and no, literally, Tanner, my excuse was, well, they invented it, so should I not use the English way of writing english please teacher dost thou protest nobody liked what else it did my, you do? my history ap history and ap english even ap english she didn't love it did you go to the extent of calling like trucks lorries and stuff like no, that I or was it no, just i didn't use slang it was just specifically like you know maneuvers got the extra fucking like u and the other e's and the o's and all this and fetus with the <laughs> did you F-O-E? add an i to aluminum t-u-s that's crazy that's great. Yeah. We can't have a single European guest on this show without hassling them about <laughs> their language. We love it. Uh, I'll speak on behalf of Fanula and myself. Yeah, we that's part of my thing. You come on here, I got to Exactly. Gotta we will you happily be your being European. linguistic punching bags.
Before we can get too far from Blackthorn City, though, there's a few routes to explore down here. Our options before we head towards Ecritique are to, to kind of dive down Route 46, which is the route south of Blackthorn City, back towards New Barktown. Alternatively, you can take Dark Cave to get down most of the way. I did both because I wanted to catch Pokemon in both areas. Same. I'm in a tricky spot now where... I'm kind of straining the dupes clause at this point because all I kept running into on Route 45s were things I already had. Me and too. Unfortunately, what I eventually had to catch was a graveler. Woof. Because I didn't have a graveler. I just killed all of them. So you didn't catch anything here? I chose not to. I was like, I have all this. Killed it. Yeah. It was a graveler. was my fifth one. I, I was it. pretty lucky in Hot Gold because on Hot Gold on that Route 45 just south of Blackthorn, you get Fampy, the little elephant, and you get Gligar. And I caught a Gligar. I just didn't get anything cool like a Fampy. Mm. But that sounds great. I would have loved a Fampy. Fampy is cute as shit. I did get a Fampy on the next part of the route. Down at Route 46. But anyway, let's before that, let's talk about Dark Cave. Because Dark Cave is, is the other route down. And sure enough, it's a Dark Cave. You need Flash to get through it. Or you can just use the little Halo of Light, which is what I did. I caught a Wobuffet. Wobuffet. I will say. A Wobuffet, yeah. Wobuffet. Wobbuffet. It's got the word buffet in it, so I guess it's a Wobbuffet. It's Buffet, isn't it? I think that's a Wobbuffet. Yeah, Wobbuffet. Wobbuffet, yeah. Which, and it's such a cool thing, which I only recently realized. Wobbuffet. Is that it's based on like one of those <laughs> punching bags, those like knockback punching bags, which is why it can only learn counter and mirror move. Oh, shit. I didn't isn't know that. Isn't that such an awesome piece of trivia? Is that your theory? No, that's or is genuinely that, like, that's genuinely that's like its what it's based on. It's one of those like one of those punching bags that's got the weight at the bottom that then bounces back whenever you hit it, which is why it can only learn. I think it can learn like safeguard as well, but Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, counter for physical moves and mirror move for special attacks. What's really cool is that that sort of started off this real trend that Pokemon has for using inanimate objects as inspiration, when up until that point, you know, Gen 1 was largely just like goldfish and other random zoo animals mostly goldfish to be honest yeah <laughs> yeah that sucks it kicked off a terrible trend where everything became like ice cream cones and, and whipped cream key rings and stuff like that swords is that next gen josh that we have to start dealing with yeah we're close vanilla we're, and we're stuff on like the that? we're on the cusp. yeah gen five that garbage gen bag? five was the, uh, the, the real turning point garbage bag i think garbador <laughs> is uh i think it's gen, gen five, five right that's it am i wrong I hope so. Yeah. Maybe I'll just go for inanimate object Pokemon next gen. That's bound to happen. I had a dream, speaking of Wob Buffet, to <laughs> yeah. run a team in the future that's all Pokemon that can only learn like less than five moves. So like... Smeargle. What's his name? Smeargle. Smeargle. Can only learn one move and like Ditto and Wob, Wob Buffet. Unown. And Unown. Yeah. That would suck. God, that would be brutal, wouldn't it? But it would be so entertaining. <laughs> I might do it still. I don't think there's that many Pokemon, though, is the problem. So I would need to, to figure something out. I would need to send a Pokemon to that game. Yeah, you'd need mind. to like breed them all so that they're all like level 1 or level 5, and then trade them all over to start your game off. Right, and just release my starter. I encountered a Pokemon okay. in Dark Cave. Sure. That Same. I hate, I think it's maybe a dead heat between Gloom and this Pokemon for the Pokemon I hate the most. Wow. The Pokemon that makes me barf the most. And it's my, you make me barf Pokemon of the week and it's Dunsparce. 
Can I say something? I don't want to butt in. It's your segment. I've said all I need to say. We've talked about it before. It's unsettlingly large. It's gross. It only lives in dark caves. Imagine walking through a dark cave and feeling one of these things put its little mouth on you. Looks like a grub and it doesn't evolve for some reason. Ugh. Even though it should clearly be the pre-evolution of Gligar. Gligar. So can I say, obviously, I already hated Dunsparce. Yeah. Who doesn't? Right. But... What I discovered this week, because I had not been in Dark Cave. I avoided it, if you recall. Last time. I avoided it to save it. Oh, right. From the bottom. As like, I'm going to bank it and maybe I'll get something good in here that I want, which obviously that was fucking flawed. Right. There's nothing in here that I want. I guess I caught a Geodude in here already, so I should probably release my Wob Wob Buffet. Not that I was going to use the Wob Buffet. Yeah, that's another mayor cheat for you. Sorry. I don't think we're going to see either of those things on the field. No. Now, let me send this to you if you're unfamiliar. So if you go to the sprites section of Dunsparce, I had not seen it in this gen, obviously, until this week. And so you look at heart gold. It acts as though it's flapping around and its mouth opens. And where you think the mouth would be, it's not where the mouth is. And it's worse. I know. It's really upsetting. It's like above the little blue thing is its flap mouth. It's like a little goatee. You would think that the blue thing is its mouth mm. and it opens like more of a slit, which is disgusting <laughs> to say, but a little bit of like a slit right You'd there. you think that the blue things were fangs, right? And instead, right? Yeah. it's the top of the blue thing that connects with the yellow, the beige part. And I really, uh, this, uh, I already hated this fucking thing. And it, this is a big, like, I think it's the most disgusting Pokemon I've seen now. Yeah. I hate where that mouth is. I hate where the it's mouth like is too. When you discover where like a halibut or like a flounder's mouth is, you know? I don't know that much about fish, but <laughs> the little like spiky bits look like a bug's like sort of mandibles, you know? Exactly. That's where the mouth should be. And then be. imagine like if a bug like looked at you with his little mandibles and then opened a mouth above it. Like, ugh, gross. This isn't where the mouth is. Ugh, gross. Origin. So I hate this thing and you're right. It's based on a cryptid. It's disgusting. Oh, we talked about this. Gross little snake. Malformed rattlesnake. Gross. Yeah. Flounder situation. Alex, any thoughts? You're sort of a you're sort of a Dunsparce defender, Alex, is what I'm to understand. Not so much a Dunsparce <laughs> defender. I've really got no I have no sort of real feelings on Dunsparce. I will, however, defend That means to you're my... a defender. That's like saying you have no like real opinion of fascism. You know, it's like, okay, Switzerland. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, but uh but my boy Ambipom, <laughs> I will defend until my dying no, breath. We're not talking about that. Oh god. I'm redacting this entire section no <laughs> ambipom is just as bad that's disgusting it's uh, whacking people around with its big, big cumberland sausage fingers Ugh. <laughs> ugh, ugh, ugh. alex uh, think about what you just said and you're defending that you're gonna stand by that and you you have students i know so if they ever I should be this, an upstanding yeah. member of society but i don't know i just like i just love i love apom i loved it when you know gen 4 was released and it had this evolution. I just really like it. I really like it. I really love him. I love him so much. You saw Apom and you were like, oh man, I wish that it had two <laughs> hand tails and that the fingers were like swollen. Engorged. Right. Like visibly swollen. Like they need to be milked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the, what's coming out of there is going to be like pus. You know, it's not going to be milk. Definitely. <laughs> Ugh. And, and Alex, you were like, yeah. I'll do it. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. 
Wow. All right. We didn't invite you on the show just, just to, a rag on me. To talk about your bad taste in Pokemon. I will say though, guys, just on the the topic, Tanner, when you were saying that Dunsparce should be this like pre-evolution to Gligar, because I caught a Gligar in Route 45, and just on the back of when you were asking me about like with this naming convention of like nicknaming these Pokemon after like variants of wine, like how do you sort of come up with these, these ideas? So I started Googling whether there was some kind of wine that contained scorpion-like venom or something. Anyway, so my Gligar is nicknamed Habushu, and Habushu is a type of rice wine made in Okinawa in Japan, where it is fermented with a live snake inside the bottle. Gag. Does the snake continue to live? That's legal. No, the snake is like drowned inside the bottle. And then its carcass ferments with the wine. That sounds pretty bad. Does it get ripped at least? I don't know. (laughs) Probably. And basically, fun fact, it's believed to be a sexual aid for men with erectile dysfunction because the Habu Viper can mate for up to 26 hours in one session. So it's essentially like its infusion with this rice wine helps guys get it up. I think that only works for perverts who like can only get it up knowing that they've killed something, you know, like they can't finish unless they like snuff out someone's life. Viagra seems a little... More straightforward, you know? Yeah. Have you had it? Uh, I've been to Okinawa, but I didn't actually sample the delights of the Habushu. Maybe next time. Okay. Okay. Maybe we can all take a trip together and yeah. go try some snake wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll report back on that. <laughs> on the other side of Route 45 and the Dark Cave is Route 46, which is kind of the last little leg of this downhill slope between Blackthorn City and Newbark Town. It's chock full of trainers, chock full of grassy knolls, full of Pokemon. Once again, the dupe's claws kept me from catching anything interesting, so I had to resort to headbutting, and I caught a Heracross, and I was really <gasps> excited to catch a Heracross. God damn it, man. So That's good. I'm trying to get this entire game. And I'm not running it. It's too late in the game, isn't it? It's too late in the game to be acquiring Mons now. Yeah. Way too late in the game. At this point, I'm only going to run something else if something dies. Well, that's the thing is Rotom died, so I swapped someone in, and I was well on my way to training that Pokemon up, so I was like, I'm not going to bring a Heracross in now. But also, as you know, I've sworn off fighting-type Pokemon, and I already have a bug-type, so right. I have no use for Heracross on my team. I got a Fampy. <gasps> so cute. Fampy. So cute. It's a little sweetie, but it's been a sweetie before, specifically on this route, so uh, it's not getting sweetie treatment right now. If Joshy Sweetie has not gone to Fampy, I am desperate to know what it has gone to, because that thing is cute as shit. Me too. I just think that I specifically gave sweetie treatment to Fampy in Fire Red Leaf Green, so it's too parallel. Right. To do it again on the Nuzlocke. Josh, did you hang a left to head towards Ecratique, or did you hang a right to head towards Newbark City at this point? I went to Newbark. After this break. Yeah. Yeah. That was good, though. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were going to do it. (laughs) I was. Joshua, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You know I hate to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the end of Route 46 and where we went from there. Where did you go? Did you follow the siren call of the Kimono Girls back at Tecratique, or did you uh, carry on with your stalwart duty and, and head down to Professor Elm? Frankly, I was sick and tired of seeing and rescuing these Kimono Girls. 
And I decided I needed to just fucking crush them mm-hmm. like the spinner X they are. So I went back to Ecrotique, and that's what I did. All of them. Crushed them. I think they were asking for your help. Yeah. Well, they can't have it. I hatched that egg, which you didn't even do, and they still gave you all the benefits. I hatched that fucking egg. I got nothing out of it because I don't want a togepi. Yeah. So I taught them a lesson, and what I got was probably, I don't know, 15,000 experience, I think, you get out of this. Well, and they give you the they give you the, the bell. The clear bell? Is it the clear bell? Right. Alex, did you head towards Ecrotique, or did you head towards Newbark? I headed towards Ecrotique first. The, um, I'm not going to lie, the Kimono girls gave me a run for my yeah, money. They're pretty tough. Yeah, and like it's that last resort. Is it last resort? The attack that all of those evolutions have, where yeah. they use all three of the other attacks first. I know that from uh, Brevender. Yeah. Yeah, and then it does like 150 damage or something like that. And there was more than one occasion where it very nearly absolutely destroyed me. Yeah, there was a few times I went down in the red with the Kimono girls, but mm. luckily I had like a huge supply of max potions mm. on me. So I managed to get through. But yeah, they're surprisingly tough. So the thing about this bug catchers is there are. I think six of them? Five. Five, yeah. Uh, five of them. Because at the time, there were only five evolutions. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's still Gen 2. So it's like Flareon, Jolteon, Vaporeon, Umbreon, Espeon. Right. But in the original, they do basically nothing. And they made the Kimono Girls like a prominent feature in this one. Well, here's the trickiest part about the Kimono Girls is they're only level 38. So at this point I was I was well leveled above them, but that last resort move does absolutely just wail on you. Yeah. But you are also never given any opportunity to heal. Right. When you finish one battle, the next Kimono Girl just comes up to you and starts battling with you, so you have to heal like mid-battle, which is always tricky. And if the leading Pokemon in your party is like a shit matchup, then you've got to switch out right. and take the damage of whatever it is that you're switching into. So it's, right. yeah, I was definitely in a bit of a sticky situation as well a couple of times. Surprisingly tricky battle. But then once you're done, they notice that you have either the Rainbow Wing or the Silver Wing, and they will give you either the Clear Bell or the Tidal Bell, kind of respectively, which is everything you need to summon the Legendary Birds... Ho-Ho and uh, Luigi. Right. At this point, you two split off to go to Bell Tower, right? That's right. Yes. And I I journeyed down to Whirl Islands, a much more difficult trip, a much more treacherous trip. Maybe, but I would say this sucked. Oh, did it suck? Did it suck when you had to surf and find your way through the maze of the Whirl Islands being attacked by fucking trainers that you skipped the first time around the entire time? The entire Bell Tower is literally just like fucking ramps yeah. that you have to just leap over and they lead you in one direction and then they make oh, you so go so was Whirl Island, way. except I also had to get to Whirl Island first. Whirl Island is definitely harder than... I think maybe it's more annoying, but it's not like... Uh, I don't think Alex or I were having a good time. There is no skill involved to the Bell Tower. And also what pissed me off is, you know, you've just beaten these Kimono Girls who, like you say, all of the evolutions are at level 38. And they don't learn Last Resort until level 50, by the way. So. Yeah, I'll have you know. I didn't fucking love <laughs> That's that. cheating. That's Mayor Cheat. Yeah, exactly. But no, but then you get into the Bell Tower, which obviously is like a guarded part of like you know there's a gatekeeper there you can't progress onto that part of the map until you have reached this point in the game and then still inside the bell tower all the ratatas the fact that like all there are are ratatas but they're literally like 
level 12 or like level 22 or something just there is no challenge there whatsoever where it's at least in world islands okay yeah it is like a labyrinth but you know there are i don't know seals and dugongs and yeah man that's crappy and bad. stuff yeah like, i didn't even write this down i literally can't even fucking remember what i caught in there i'm sure it's eradicate or some shit yeah in bell tower i caught eradicate as well <laughs> i might have slaughtered it to be honest i don't know it's like I don't care. Coral Islands was equally challenging because every Pokemon I encountered, every single one was one that I already had. I, the dupes mm. claws completely blew out here. But you so can I just choose catch by the fifth encounter of the same thing. You I know, catch but I didn't because I don't want a fucking Zubat. I think I killed everything in Bell Tower. I killed everything in Dark Cave. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. The way Whirl Islands works is you have to sort of like navigate these four overworld islands and then underneath them is, is sort of an interconnected maze of caves with ramps that you can only go one way down and all this other stuff and boulder pushing and all, and all that and then eventually you make your way down to this series of sort of like slopes and you can walk in one slope and it's one of the most like beautiful screens i've ever seen in pokemon this sort of like cliff looking over the big waterfalls that luigi lives behind and then if you keep making your way down, you eventually get to the bottom and the Komodo girls are waiting for you and you ring the tidal bell and Luigi erupts from the Great Falls and takes you on. Luckily, he was only level 40. 45. And I, I made fairly quick work of him. And then I turned around and talked to the Komodo girls who had made such a big to-do about like, oh, we're finally going to summon Luigi. Like, we'll finally have the chance to kind of capture him. And all I did was kill him, and then I talked to Zuki, the main kimono girl, and she said something along the lines of, like, well, I guess if that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. that is exactly what Satsuki says. <laughs> I had to slaughter Ho-Oh as well. And she was like, okay, well, if that's what you think is right, then okay. <laughs> so clearly disappointed. But she also does invite you to come back and, and take on ho-ho and luigi again yeah they come back after uh i think after the elite four yeah she's so scathing though she's literally like i guess they'll come back later like <laughs> <laughs> didn't love it but okay so unimpressed just so pissed a monumental part of history that's happening right now but okay it's fine <laughs> but all the other ones the other four kimono girls are all like cool like yeah you know thank you good nice to, work good to see this performance we're gonna eat eat well tonight <laughs> yeah. ho-oh would taste a lot better lugia to me feels like halfway between a whale and a bird and i think it would be very like fatty like oh, kobe beef some whale blubber that's interesting mm. yeah yeah so i think luigi would be hey, surprisingly tender i wouldn't send either one back <laughs> i don't eat meat so i probably would but after Whirl Island and Bell Tower, we make our way back to our hometown. Hometown hero returns. No one gives a shit. Your mom didn't even seem to notice that you were gone. She was like, oh. You've been gone? Do you want to rest? Are you bothering me about your money? Do you want your money? Yeah. I'm just here sitting on this massive pile of gold like Scrooge McDuck. God, I swear to you two, my mom called me, I think, five times as I was journeying across Route 27 and Route 26 in Kanto. And, and told me she had bought products for me. Mm. And they had better be good products. I think at this point, after you're in Kanto, the products really start to elevate. Like she sends you like choice specs and stuff like that. So mm. I'm looking forward to, to getting that stuff. Yeah, she's from, got good, from mom. good shit these days. The other person you want to visit in New Barktown is Professor Elm. Yeah. I can't remember what he says to you. Do you remember Josh? No. Or Alex? He gives you the master ball, doesn't he? Oh, that's it. And tells you to venture east towards the elite four 
Apparently, just to the east of New Barktown, a short surf ride away is the Kanto region. And sure enough, you hop on the back of your, well, in my case, it was a crabby. And you, you surf to the east, and the first guy you encounter is like, hey, welcome. You finally made it. You're in Kanto, baby. Yeah. He's so excited to welcome you to the Kanto region. Check your map. Yeah, he does say check your map. And then you do check it, and there's nothing there. So Yeah. <laughs> Looks like the regular map. The first place you encounter is a house here where there's a an old crone who measures your, your worth and, and sees how much your Pokemon adore you, and then will give you Sandstorm based on... Mm. How much your Pokemon adore you? I don't know if it's based on your, your lead Pokemon or what. It's always the lead, but oh, okay. I don't want Sandstorm. I don't care. No. I don't either. If it's not Darude, I'm not interested. But guys, we have not spoken about the mysterious cave behind the waterfall in Tojo Falls. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I did notice this. I never... And was this in Gold and Silver, is my question. No, it wasn't. What cave? In Tojo Falls, which is like the... You know, you have to cross the waterfall in order to get to the little house. Beautiful splash screen, by the way. Behind the waterfall, there's this little cave that when you go inside, it's completely empty, but there's just a radio. Yeah. Broken radio. What? A broken radio, exactly. What? Basically, there was this uh, hidden event thing that I think... And it really annoys me with these games, like when they have these hidden events that you only really have access to at the... In like 2006 or whatever. Literally, like on the release day. But basically, that is where Giovanni has been hiding since the disbandment of oh, Team Rocket really? in the first game. Yeah. And so, and you know, like obviously with the big Team Rocket takeover, with the radio signals, that radio is supposed to be him like trans transmitting his orders to the executives that have taken over the radio tower. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. It says here, there's a cave hidden behind the waterfall. Normally, if the... I'm on Bulbapedia. If the player enters the cave, they will find an empty cave with a broken radio. If the player takes a promotional event Celebi as a walking Pokemon to the Ilex Forest Shrine, Celebi will take the player back in time, allowing them to battle Giovanni here. What? And... Plot twist, Giovanni is your rival's dad. The redhead rival. Bad Josh's dad was Giovanni all the time? Yeah. What a gag, right? That was a big reveal as well. I didn't know this. Makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't even find this cave. I didn't even notice it was here. Alex, we're going to give you a Joshy's fun facty for that segment. so devastating though that we'll never be able to play like that is that is a massive story arc that literally is like the gatekeeper is this event in 2010 which now we'll never have access to so some bug catcher told us that there's apparently some way there's some website where you can kind of like access some of these lost time events but Mm. i don't know how to figure that out so i've never done it no other side of tojo falls is route 26 and route 27 Mm. Again, just like routes 46 and 45, it's just a long-ass route, full of trainers, full of grass. You can heal, but the problem is like to get through to the Kanto region and up the waterfalls and past the whirlpools and all that kind of stuff, I had not one but two HM friends in my party. Oh, my God, me too. Krabby and, and um, Chinchu. Golem and uh, 
tender cruel for me. There's no way to, to swap him out. Yeah. There's a kindly old woman here who will heal your Pokemon if you rest at her house, but she doesn't have a computer system. She doesn't have access to Bill's computers. I had to so. run all Victory Road with you know, a third of my Pokemon being bullshit. Me too. Exactly. It sucks. <laughs> Tentacruel's level 27. Golem, at least, was part of my team at one point. It was level 36, but I'm not trying to use it. Yeah. And it's such a shame as well, because Victory Road, I mean, when Josh and I spoke about me coming on this podcast, Victory Road for me is my favorite section of any of the games because the ace trainers they are my favorite trainer class i think the the ai that is involved with programming the trainers choices of like attacks and stuff like they always battle with strategy they've got some really like spicy teams some like you know real fruity combinations of the pokemon on their teams and so it's fucking horseshit that because of the need to have these hm friends you're not able to kind of really flex you know training the Pokemon that you will eventually then go on to take on the Elite Four with fully because you're chained to using these HM friends. But I will say there really is no fucking place for Ace Trainer Brian with a single level 30-something Mareep. The fuck out of here, literally. Like, trust me, you will not be making it much past Victory Road. That could be an Ampharos! If you think that you can rock up with a single base level, underleveled Pokemon... Ace Trainer Brian, you can eat shit. Fuck you, Ace Trainer How did Brian. How did become an Ace Trainer? It's like nepotism, right? It's like yeah. he knows whoever hands out the... He's like the guy who hands out Ace Trainer titles is his dad or whatever. Completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ace Trainer Brian Sr. was a uh, previous champion of the Elite Four. And so Ace Trainer Brian Jr. is just like, I don't care. Yeah, completely. They're going to give me the championship no matter what. A Mareep, though? Just, like, embarrassing. So embarrassing for you, Brian. It would be embarrassing if you had a Mareep or an Ampharos or anything like that on your team at this point. Oh, so that's interesting, Tanner. Can I follow up on that? Please. Why would that be embarrassing? To have an Ampharos, for example? It's an embarrassing Pokemon. Why would it be embarrassing, Tanner? Yeah. To have an Ampharos on your team? Because it actually learns a pretty cool move called Signal Beam, which is a bug move. And it's excellent. Okay. And it got me out of a lot of fucking scraps. And Power Gem. What does Signal Beam do? Gets Power Gem at level 50 something. What does Signal Beam do? Chef's kiss. 75 damage, 100% hit rate. Bug move. Bug type. Special. Mm. Bug type? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's weird. So it lines up with, as we talked about, that Ampharos is like the lighthouse Pokemon. So it learns signal beam because it's like a lighthouse, which is sort of funny. It's a signature move of, of Ampharos? No. Oh, okay. Any old bug can learn this thing. I think Dugong, Dugong learns signal beam as well. I don't have any Pokemon that learn signal beam because I don't use bad basic Pokemon like you two. We're finally back in the Kanto region, and we finally have access to more of those sweet Kanto Pokemon. Mm. So I will say that on Route 26, I caught a Ponyta. I caught a Ponyta. Me too. <laughs> on Route 27, I caught a Quagsire. I caught a Quagsire. Sandslash. Ooh, Ooh, Sandslash. That's fun. Grenache, the Sandslash. That's good. You made them rhyme. Mm-hmm. I don't plan on using either of these Pokemon, but you know my stance on Ponyta, or more specifically on Rapidash. Oh, so handsome. Just like powerful. So handsome. Lots of muscles. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Also, did you guys find the little house for the weekday siblings? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was there on a day that it was significant. I think it's literally just like a signpost for the the fact that like they are a family. But I will say that it is such a small feature of Gen 2 that I just find so charming. The fact that there are these seven siblings that just they're 
mission is to just spread joy and help passing trainers. I just think that is such like a tiny little feature of this generation that is just super cute. I find them really endearing. The fact that they're a family feels a little nefarious to me. It feels a little bit like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. Yeah. It's just like they're they're waiting to kind of coax you in with their like little prizes. And like you fell for it. You went right into their house. Did you even <laughs> hesitate before walking into their house, Alex? I thought they'd be like the Von Trapps from The Sound of Music that they'd like burst into song. They'd be like have clothes made out of curtains, shit like that. But no, they have clothes made out of human skin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, then we made our way up Route 27 and 26. Luckily, there is that woman there who will heal you. Yeah, yeah. But then it's time for Victory Road, what is historically one of the most challenging routes in any Pokemon game. Yeah, I didn't find that. No, such a disappointing effort from the Victory Road cave in this gen. It's a lot shorter than I remember. There's no trainers in it. No, no, no. Even even Bad Josh at the end of the cave says like, oh, you may have noticed that everyone like wussed out. Cleared out. You know? Yeah. For me, it was just full of Versa rings, which I caught one of, but I have no interest in running. Oh, I got a uh, Don fan. I got Don fan too. I think those are probably our version exclusives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen less EXP. You know, most of them are six to 800 EXP. So that's not bad. Right. But uh, it sucks. It's just way Nothing briefer special. than I remember. These these victory roads are usually pretty long. They're pretty like complicated. They have like boulder puzzles. This one like did not have much. It was real blue ballsy, wasn't it? Absolutely. But yeah. the thing it did have going for it is like you still have two HM friends in your party. You still haven't been back to a Poké Center in ages. You haven't been back to a Poké Mart in ages. Well, I did buy like 30 Hyper Potions before I even went on this path. But like if you are unprepared, it can be challenging because especially at the end, because you've made your way through Chojo Falls, up 26, up 27, in through Victory Road, and then just as you're about to leave, you get attacked by your rival. Yeah. And I think of all the rival battles we've had and all the gens, even though I was still pretty overleveled compared to him i struggled he was tough i had to i had to drop a lot of potions as i was battling uh bad josh this time so my naming theme with my rival is very much in the same theme as bad josh ever since i was a teenager my rival in every pokemon game i've ever played has always had the same name which was the name of my high school bully called dean fucker and i have such an aversion to the name dean every single dean that i've ever met has always been such a dick. So yeah, it's always very satisfying to know that I'm wiping the floor with my high school bully. But uh, it wasn't such a challenge for me. For you, it would have been a level 36 Sneasel, level 38 Golbat, level 37 Magneton, level 37 Kadabra, level 37 Haunter, and a level 40 for alligator yeah all that but uh level 40 typhlosion yeah my hm friends are like integrated into my team so i kind of didn't really and also you can fly back once you reach the entrance i didn't have my fly friend with oh me, mm. i just had my water move yeah. friends with me no so once you reach like the gate to get into the cave you can fly back to new bark town and then sort of like flip back and forth that probably would have been the better move so i had my full team of six really so it wasn't too much of a challenge for me in the same way that it would have been if i had the hm friends that i had at the start of victory road right josh did you have any trouble with with our boy no because alakazam is super effective against three of them right and magmortar which is what i ended up having is super effective against two of them and then Polyrath, 
for Typhlosion. So not bad. It, it was a joke, honestly. It was a joke. I didn't lose any Pokemon or anything like that. I just, it was a surprisingly difficult fight for me. Once you're through Victory Road. Indigo Plateau, baby. You're on to the Elite Four, baby. We finally made it. Mm-hmm. There's a Poke Center and a Pokemart here in uh, in the Indigo Plateau. So we finally had an opportunity to get our fly HM friends out and fly around and, and heal and, and take care of any last business before we um, head into the Elite Four. And what I mostly did was hang out at the north entrance of Victory Road and, and grind out some Ursa Rings. Yeah until all of my Pokemon were at least level 50. That's what I did as well. I mean, that was going to be my next question was like, how did you guys go about grinding? Because did you know that with like with the phone, I always thought, honestly, like up until this playthrough that you always, the only way you could rebattle trainers was you had to wait for them to call you. But did you know that you can call them up to battle them? No. Yeah. So like, obviously all of those, like there are like three or four ace trainers in that leg of Victory Road that give you their number. I'll ask you for their, their number. And they've all got like Pokemon in their 40s, like late 30s. At a certain time of day, you can keep on calling them up again and again and again and again and just rebattle them yeah why am i only finding this out now i didn't know that i only fought i did fight a few of them a few times but that was because they just dialed me up and i was like oh it's triggered by me actually being at indigo plateau no it's triggered by the time of day so and it shows up on the map yeah right you can look at the town map and it finally shows like oh this person is here and they want to battle you Mm. which i loved as well no so it's triggered by the time of day so like let's say for example ace trainer jamie who's like the one just before you go into the victory road cave you can call her on a monday between 4 a.m and 10 a.m and literally between the hours of 4 a.m and 10 a.m you can call her up and battle her however many times you want you literally just like you're like right next to her and you call her up and she's like oh my god oh, wow. come and battle me now yeah i know which it Oh, I don't know. No words. I'm so frustrated with myself that I only found this out now. <laughs> I think I discovered that accidentally because someone called me asking me for a fight and I mm. wasn't near them. So once I was near them, I called them for a fight and discovered that you could call them for a fight. But it's just such a quick way of leveling your Pokemon rather than just like battling wild ones because obviously the experience yield from trainer battles is so much higher. If you hang out right at the northern entrance to Victory Road, so you can like bop in and get healed anytime, like it's pretty efficient. Mm. It was pretty efficient. The Victory Road Pokemon are not that high level, but I think it's mindless in a nice way. You can just kind of like, oh God, watch something on TV and and grind out levels. It'll give you like an aneurysm from how mind numbing it is. Yeah. Speaking of levels, you want to do it? Level check. (gasps) Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. Alex, you're our guest. I would love to learn about the team that I am about to um, absolutely devastate (laughs) when we battle after talking about the Elite Four. Well, I would love to tell you about them. So leading the party, I have Shiraz, the Ampharos, level 49. And this has been with me since way back around Violet City. I think I caught it on that route just south from Violet City just before battling Faulkner. And so it's been like an OG since day one. I then have Suave, the Vile Plume, level 46, Ooh, and okay. caught as a baby Oddish in Ilex Forest. I basically got Carpal Tunnel from like tapping my stylus on the screen so hard <laughs> during the fucking Pokethlon, trying to get a bloody Leaf Stone to evolve this thing, but finally got there in the end. I have Zinfandel, the Heracross, level 46, caught somewhere from headbutting a tree. Such a beast. 
I've never actually run a hair across before, so it's been a lot of fun raising him. And such a diverse move pool as well. Yeah, I think they're very fun. So much fun. Another complete newbie to me, which is quite hard to believe considering how much I love Gen 1 water types, but Alberinia, the Sea King, coming in at a, I'm going to say whopping level 51, but I'm pretty sure all of you guys have over-leveled now, <laughs> so I'm literally just going to bite the dust. But she was a latecomer. I caught her in that route between Ecruteek and Mahogany, worked super hard to raise that Goldeen and teach it Blizzard, which was the eventual undoing of Lance. But yeah, so much fun. And also, like, Seeking has such a great defense stat, surprisingly. Does it? Yeah, which I was really, like, it was, it was, it was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. Next, I have Syrah, the Crobat, level 47, caught in a friend ball as a Zubat in Union Cave. So I had access to Crobat quite early on, like, as soon as it evolved into Golbat, literally the next level it evolved into Crobat, which is, like, awesome. I don't think I'd, I've even run a Crobat before. So, yeah, it can outspeed anything, which is awesome. And then, lastly, which is kind of like my Chancellor of the Ex-Cheater Pokemon <laughs> because I acquired it very early on through a strategy which basically there's this random guy okay, in so you're Violet City. Whatever you're about yeah. to say, you're Mirachi. Let's yeah. speed it up. <laughs> I also just like really quickly want to call you out on your wine knowledge because you said your Ampharos is named Shiraz. Yeah. And your Crobat is named Syrah. And they're the same variety, the aren't same they? Thing. But they're just like, one's fancier sounding the other one. It's the same exact kind of wine. Uh-oh. Just different names. Yeah, different sort of like international name. But no, so basically there's this random guy in Violet City. Okay. There's this website which randomly generates this password based on your trainer ID, and he will give you a Slugma egg. So presenting Rioja, the Macargo level 46, oh which was God. a fucking labor of love raising this thing because Slugma is shit. And it doesn't evolve until literally level 38. It's so slow. And it's really not that great for a long time, but as a Macargo, great move pool, such incredible defense, you know, being that dual rock and fire type, lots of fun battling with this thing now that it's in its prime. So yeah, there is Vino's team. Wow. Well, Joshua, okay. tell me about Stanner's okay. team this week. Stanner ended up with, uh, honestly, I did not think I would end up in this situation, but I like where I ended up. And here's where I ended up. Fred Van Vliet. Ampharos still here, level 52. Yuck. Who's 52? It's Ampharos. Rosencrantz, still alive, not dead. Meganium, level 51. Good. Tolkien, Alakazam, level 54. That's a heavy hitter. Because that was the one you could just deploy in like any scenario where it's like, okay, well, Bruno, obviously, mm. you know, one hit KO for any of these fuckers. Right. But then also there were like Karen's Vile Plume. There's like wills Slowbro or whatever and my alakazam has shadow ball so i could throw alakazam out against basically any pokemon and it was trouble yeah faster than all of them a good psychic type will take you so far in that elite four yeah i had to learn that the hard way yeah me too <laughs> wick rackrum obama snow finally came into itself level 52 Save my ass on Lance. I suppose we'll get to that. I had no idea that ice type was effective against dragon type. Super effective. I honestly couldn't tell you before we um, encountered Lance this week. I don't know if I could have told you a single Pokemon type that was effective against. Here's what I would have guessed. Electricity. And that's not the case. No. <laughs> it's not at all. No. So let me tell you. Obama Snow learns Blizzard at level 47. Yeah. But... 
Snow warning, its ability, which triggers the hailstorm, means that Blizzard hits 100% of the time. All right. I also threw some choice specs on him and made that Blizzard 1.5 times as powerful, baby. Great. I jacked him up on Carbos, and then four Lance's battles, I just flung him out against all the Dragonites, and it was just like Blizzard one hit KO. Blizzard one hit KO. Blizzard. And you abominated his ass. Great. I'm super looking forward to battling your fucking super fast Abomasnow. Yeah, it's jacked up, baby. Uh, then we have CJ Craig, Polyrath, level 52. Great. And Kaladin, Magmortar, level 52 as well. Ugh. It's like, what if, what if Mega Man sucked, you know? I have come to love Magmortar. Have you? I think it's cool as hell. Look at its lips. Yeah. Sweet kissable lips. And that's what you like about it is the, the kissable lips. Let me tell you something, Tanner, in fact. Not Magmortar, but Magmar when it comes out. And this is a big reason why I wanted to evolve it. When Magmar comes out and you're looking at it from your side, it goes... Yeah, it does a little kiss. <laughs> it like comes out and does a little smooch, air smooch. And that'll psych you out. I think like boxers do that all the time at their weigh-ins, you know? like I would. They'll, they'll do little smooches at one another. It really psychs people out. Yeah, I would probably kiss the do the player. kiss yeah meg mortar's got big sweet kissable lips he's got a big kind of fun belly and chicken legs and then in those arm cannons too it's there's a lot happening there yeah and and tenor it's, it's a look what do you have what do you have happening you want to know about my team give it to us it's about time the gift of parenthood executor yeah level 53 okay been on the team for a while my second executor still loving it go to it's great it's great save a fox nine tails level 51 you're still saving that fox okay i should explain my guy is called attorney will he um all his pokemon are named after charities and if any of them die i have to donate to that charity oh yeah and i'm naming all mine after uh things that tanner loves because if they die uh sucks for him met opera jinx level 52 everglade foundation for alligator level 52 Three Rivers, Sizor, level 58. That's a nightmare. Yeah. And that's inexplicable. Why is your Sizor at level 58? Because I just was having such a blast with him, man. What was it doing? Owning. Owning Bones is what he was doing. Okay. And then because I had to release Rotom last week, I trained up a new Pokemon that I caught in the Dragon Den. (sighs) Welcome to the team. Blue Dragon, Dragonite. Level 55. Unbelievable. What the fuck? Completely fucking unbelievable. How on earth? BlueDragon.org. Blue Dragon finds children and young people in crisis situations, slavery, homelessness, and extreme poverty, and helps them out. How on earth? Right after the most recent episode that we recorded, you were like, nah, I can't be bothered with having to raise another Dratini for 55 I know, levels. But then I had to then I had to release my Rotom. Okay. Then I made the noble choice to re- release my Rotom and I had to fill it with something. I went into the Elite 4 battle feeling very nervous. Most of my Pokémon were level 50 at that point. A few of them had already evolved past level 50, but I still was feeling a little anxious. I didn't look up any of the Elite Four trainers. I just used context clues to try to figure out who all of them were and what their things were, which is a mistake, I will say, because you walk into Bruno's chamber and it's covered in lava and you're like, (laughs) fire-type Pokemon. (laughs) No worries there. For alligator, top of the heap. And then it turns out that he's a fucking fighter-type Pokemon. So 
You can't rely on their room designs to figure out what type of Pokemon there are. So don't do it, bug catchers. I still did not have too much trouble. I think stopping between each battle and, and getting the opportunity to heal and recover some um, PP with uh, with ethers made the Elite Four a pretty quick trip for me. Mm. The one I really struggled with was Lance, but once I discovered that Jinx with all her ice type moves was super effective against Lance, it became much easier. I will say two things. I did do the Polyrath move tutor thing where I had it relearn hypnosis right so i opened up the karen battle with hypnosis on the umbreon hit actually and then fucking wake up slap next turn one eight ko yeah and then lance would have been a problem except as i mentioned uh i guess this will be redundant because obama snow has blizzard now i just flung a blizzard at all of them yeah and the first one did try to use fire blast but it missed oh that's nice so i think i potentially could have lost obama snow very easily but that one missed and so it was just a blizzard one hit ko and then swap him out used ampharos on the uh i mean it's sort of easy like it's Charizard, Gyarados, Aerodactyl. Ugh, and that's my second you make me barf Pokemon of the week. One hit KO with Discharge uh-huh. from Ampharos on all of them. Yeah, I was the same. His Dragonites were so surprising because, like, you forget they do that have Dragon- interesting moves. Dragonite can learn like weird moves. So, like, mm-hmm. one of them has Thunder, one of them has Blizzard, one of them has Fire Blast, and of course, you like never expect it. But then his like his beefy Dragonite, the level fifty one, also has this move called Outrage, which oh boy, that hits so hard mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a dragon move. yeah completely that one took me down quite a bit each time he wheeled me with it but it lasts for a few turns too so like your only option is to just sit and heal between turns but at least it confuses it right. as it well though it at the end yeah that was the, the sort of the saving grace for me i didn't really have too much trouble with many of them just quite a few battles that went on for a long time like fucking will the fact that all of his pokemon have access to psychic which is just like such a super powered move yeah and he's so lazy with it like he will just spam psychic the whole time which is so irritating koga crobat and Muck. Muck using Minimize and Crobat using Double Team. And it just makes it so difficult to hit it. Like, if you're, like, setting an attack up or something like, or like, you know, if you've got an attack that missed and then they manage to use another Minimize or another Double Team, it just extends it by that much longer. Yeah, Minimize is pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. Is there, like, a workaround for, like, I'm convinced that there's a workaround for Minimize, which is, like... Use Foresight. Swift. Yeah, Aerial Ace. There are workarounds. Okay. Yeah. Use those ones that like can't miss, or if you use things like Foresight, that will. But it's like, who takes a Pokemon to the Elite Four that still has Foresight? Yeah. I think that's the only one that, that completely sets the evasion back to zero. Right. The other one that kind of got me fucked up a few times was Karen's Murkrow has Faint Attack, and she kept using Faint Attack on me, and like I don't remember what Pokemon I had in, but man, did it it hit so hard. Oh, I killed that thing immediately. Really. Tana, that's what life would be like if you had an Ampharos on your team. Oh, no, thank you. Also, just kind of level my normal complaint at the game, which is, this is five, it's the Elite Five. Yeah. There's five of them. Yeah. There's not even an excuse this time. It's not your rival anymore at the end of it. It's just Lance. So, just call it the Elite Five. That's the game. Roll credits. We immortalize our team in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you get the little snapshot of our trainers posing in front of the team. Oh, yeah. And then 
the Game Boy just stops working in a way that's very confusing. And what you have to do is turn off your Game Boy and turn it back on to end up back at your house in New Bark City to kind of continue your journeys. But we will discuss that next week when we are back to chase some... Well, I don't know. Josh, do we chase waterfalls now or do we chase waterfalls after Kanto? After Kanto. Okay, well then... If we can pull it off and frankly based on the how the past two weeks have gone i'm not sure yeah but we're gonna try to do two gyms per week i don't think i'll have any issue with that i don't think so either okay yeah okay well i might so we'll be back next week to take on brock and misty that's right i think in the canto region cerulean and pewter we still have one big thing left to do gentlemen which is decide the fate of our podcast by battling so alex i know you're you're a listener so you you're probably aware but i don't know if you knew this coming in is that we're going to battle you now first josh and i are going to battle to determine who the the champion of experience here is and then we'll battle you and if you should lose you do have to turn over all the rights and social handles and you know feed of gotta snatch them all your hit pokemon podcast and then it's ours it is a risk I'm willing to take. That's interesting you say that because you are pretty underleveled compared to us. But let's see what happens and uh, we'll go from there. But catchers, we'll be back in just a moment. Josh and I are going to battle and then we will uh, we'll check in with you and let you know how that battle goes. <laughs> Joshua, what a battle. I guess. Harry, it got very close for me. There's no reason I should have lost that battle and I didn't. No. But it looked like you might. I got it down to just one. It ended up in a one-on-one yeah. battle. One-on-one, Polyrath versus Executor. Both damaged, both with yeah. status effects. I was paralyzed, you were poisoned. And it went down to one hit. And your Earthquake luckily did not do much damage to my Executor. Yeah, I didn't really have a better option. So I polished you off. And I won. And I beat you. And I'm the champion of Experience Share Pokemon Podcast. For now. And now I have the honor of taking on Alex and seeing if we can claim his podcast for our grand Pokemon podcast empire. I mean, if that battle was anything to go by, guys, I don't smoke, but I feel like I need a cigarette after that. That was like the most intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were downplaying it. Josh literally took Tanner down from like six Pokemon to one in the space of about eight turns. I lost like three and then I was like, okay, fine. And then I brought out Obama Snow and I just went fucking like haywire they were downplaying it it was a stellar performance from both yeah so i'm gonna take on alex now and try to to claim his podcast as our own which will honestly probably just end up losing to fanula or someone else at some point so (laughs) my right hand gal she owns it already bandwagons already has it so fanula and i now co-own the experience share podcast everything is is offshore now (laughs) exactly All right, uh, Alex, I'm going to challenge you now, Buttcatchers. Um, I will not be back because I do have to run, but Alex and Josh will uh, will check in with you after this battle to let you know how um, soundly I, I beat Alex. So we'll see you we'll in see. just a few minutes, Buttcatchers. Honestly, I don't really want to talk about it. Alex, do you want to talk about it? I don't really want to talk about it either. It felt like a little bit of a uh, hate crime. <laughs> During Pride Month, during Pride uh, Month, yeah. honestly, the honestly the disgrace of it all. I will say, just as a disclaimer, obviously my Pokemon were severely underleveled, and I felt like I held my own. I mean, I managed to knock out one of Tanister. 
of Tanner's team. Yeah. Yeah, I lost. Oh, my God. He mopped the floor with me. He kicked me to the curb, spat on me a bit. It was just, uh, yeah, it was it was really, really poor show. It was pretty fucked up. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty yeah. fucked up. I will say, though, as well, I made a massive error when I was inputting my team. I forgot to give Macargo Lava Plume. I accidentally gave it, like, another random attack, which meant that it had no fire attacks, which oh, meant yeah, that every time... no fire moves. It had no yeah. fire moves. It had literally, like, three rock-type moves and yawn, and every time Tana brought out Scizor, I didn't have a fire attack to be able to annihilate it. So, yeah, it was just sort of like a, a game over from the first turn, really. But needless to say, a lot of fun, and I, I admit defeat. I, I tip my bonnet to you both... I bequeath the keys to my podcast. We will keep the experience share IP and we will uh, humbly accept Gotta Snatch Em All as part of our umbrella network. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Alex. Uh, Tanner had to leave because of some sort of, I don't know, he's a father, who knows anymore? Some kind of dad emergency, I don't know. It's like I had to, you know, make sure my child is living... A half-baked excuse, if ever I've heard one. (laughs) And not the kind of excuse that we want to hear about during Pride Month. What we want to hear about is some gay things. So, Alex, tell us about your show and where people can find it and where to find you as well. Oh, thank you so much. It would be a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, I host a Pokemon podcast of my own called Gotta Snatch Em All, where I interview queer people and our allies from the entirety of the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, all about the significance of the Pokemon franchise to them from their childhood to their adolescence and then into queer adulthood. And it is, it's taken off in a really nice way. It's not been going for very long, but, you know, I've been really lucky enough to have some big names already, uh, you know, come on and be interviewed, like some of the Drag Race and Dragula Queens. And of course, the Holy Trinity itself of Fanula Jones, Anthony Smith and Josh Fjellstad. That's right. <laughs> you better believe it. So you can find Gotta Snatch Them All anywhere you get your podcasts, really. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And it is absolutely not exclusive to just queer listeners. It is for anybody who is after some wholesome Pokemon content, really. Yeah, it's sort of like if you are looking for a little uh, After Hours content. You know, if you watch Insecure, for example, HBO always has those kind of like kickback sessions, uh, wind down kind of a thing. The episodes that myself, Fanula, and Tony are all on, on Gotta Snatch Em All are all kind of like a kickback session. So it's a great show in general, but if you want to get a little bit more kind of background about any of us, great place to go. Only place to go, in fact. Tanner has left us, as I'm sure he would say. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts. You can catch us there and you can follow us on any social media that you would normally find us on. You can find us on reddit.com slash r slash bugcatchers. You can check out our merch at expsharemerch.com. And we will be doing, uh, what did we say? Cerulean pewter? Next week? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a crunchy timeline, isn't it? Because when you take the SS Aqua over to Vermilion City, you've then got to, like, do the whole... I mean, spoiler alert, guys. Like, the whole thing with the missing machine part and everything, so... Right, you have to do the power plant. Yeah, the power plant has to come first before you can access all of those other areas, like, within Kanto. But, I mean, it's a... 
I think it's definitely manageable. You know, the Kanto region, there's really not that much kind of like happening between the different cities and stuff, so... Editor's note, we got this one completely wrong, and actually you should play Vermilion Gym and Saffron Gym and up through routes 24 and 25 just north of Cerulean City, but do not do Power Plant. We'll be doing that the week after next. We're human, not Pokemon, and thus we make mistakes, and we're sorry for that. We're saying we're going to do two gyms per week because it is sort of short from what we recall. It was sort of a joke, but we'll see. <laughs> Alex, thanks again for joining us. You can find me on Instagram at gottasnatchemall.pod and Twitter at gottasnatchemall. Please do like Josh shared, go and check out Josh and Fanula and Tony's episodes. And hopefully uh, if he can find the time for me amidst his, uh, you know, parenting ties, Tanner's episode two in the future. Uh, he's an ally, as we say. As absolutely, he 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 is the he's a shining beacon of virtue to our community. But honestly, Josh, uh, I, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. Thank you so much for what you and Tanner do in creating this. And I know that I speak on behalf of so many of your listenership. That it has just been such a such a saving grace, really, sort of like throughout the pandemic and week by week, gym by gym, it's been <laughs> something really to look forward to every single Tuesday. So an thank enormous you. thank you from us as the listeners to you guys, really. Thank you, uh, honestly. But then also, um, I would say, you know, on the selfish side of things, like it's been a good excuse for Tanner and I to end up hanging out every week now that he fled New York for hit the ejector seat button. the province of uh, Connecticut so very happy that uh, it translates to everyone else but it is a great time for us as well so Alex and the rest of the bug catchers I will smell you later bye guys bye